I like that song, and it's, uh, I've noticed uh, through the years that so often siblings, uh, when they sing together, their voices uh, tend to blend uh, together, and that's a great blessing. Thank you guys uh, for that, uh, that song and that testimony. It's good to be in church, and i um, grateful tonight that we have a Bible. We come to church here at Valley Bible Baptist, and we uh, anchor in the Word of God. We're going to be again tonight in the book of Proverbs. I'd like you to turn with me, Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13, we'll examine um, a few verses here, Proverbs 13, and uh, we find in this particular section of Scripture some contrasts that are given by Solomon to his son. I've said this many times, and I would encourage fathers at some point to take your family through the book of Proverbs. Uh, this is a tremendous uh, place for family devotions and uh, the principles that you, that you gain. It's a father uh, really giving devotions to his son, to his family, teaching his son principles that will bring about blessings in life. Proverbs 13, we're going to look at verse, uh, we'll start here, verse 4, verse 7, and verse number 11. Would you stand with me as we read together these words uh, here tonight? Proverbs 13, this particular section is just um, uh, not uh, one solid thought or theme all the way through. There are just various principles that are dealt with by way of contrast. In uh, verse number 4, the Word of God reads, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. There's a principle here of a work ethic. It's applied spiritually in this case, dealing with our soul. And uh, you're going to starve spiritually if you do not invest in the Word of God and diligently labor to gain from God's Word. But we're going to take this application tonight in a principle or toward a principle of wealth or riches. In verse number 7, it reads, There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. And then we look at verse number 11, and it reads, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. And we're going to look at a biblical view of wealth. And what we find, uh, many, many scriptures here in Proverbs, this father is teaching his son, and one of the issues that he guides his son, uh, wisdom concerning wealth or money or how to use it and how to gain it. And that's what we're going to look at tonight, how to view wealth, how to gain wealth, and how to use wealth for the glory of God. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer this evening. Father, we thank you. It's good, again, to be in this place. And Lord, just uh, realize every time we meet together how important it is that you would feed us by your Spirit through your Word. And Lord, we pray that you would do so tonight, that you would give eternal principles that would make a difference in lives. And Lord, I always uh, take comfort in this fact that uh, you know the hearts of people and that Lord you and you alone can take your word to minister at the very point of need and I pray you would do so tonight and we pray this in the precious name of Jesus amen and you may be seated uh, this evening and as you're seated want to again just look at this principle concerning wealth and uh, Solomon is the human author of the book of Proverbs uh, if you know the background of Solomon at one time Solomon was the wealthiest man on earth and one of the key teachings here in the book of Proverbs is concerning a biblical view of wealth. 
Let me have you uh, keeping your place in Proverbs. And I, I want you to go back with me to 1 Kings tonight. And let's get just a little bit of background concerning Solomon. 1 Kings, I want you to go with me to chapter 3 this evening. 1 Kings chapter 3. And you'll see here uh, this background of Solomon. Early in Solomon's kingship, he established some solid foundations. And much of the wisdom that we gain from the book of Proverbs comes from this foundation early in the life and early in the reign of King Solomon. Uh, let's read beginning here, 1 Kings chapter 3. I want to pick up at verse number 5. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse number 5. And it reads in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or to come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people, that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. And here is the prayer or the request of Solomon to God. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. And uh, he says, For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And we know, of course, that God heard that prayer, and God gave to Solomon great wisdom. Uh, not long after this, uh, Solomon made a judgment between two women, and uh, the kingdom was amazed at the wisdom of Solomon. Notice in verse 10, though, and the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, hast not asked for thyself long life, neither, neither hast thou asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there is none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And he says, And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my commandments, or my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And so here God had the right, or Solomon had the right priority. He asked for wisdom to lead his kingdom. God blessed him with that wisdom. But the Bible says uh, as God gave him that wisdom, God blessed him not only with wisdom, but God gave him riches as well. Now others, if you go forward to the book of 1 Kings chapter 10, others marveled at all that God had blessed Solomon with. In 1 Kings chapter 10, we have the story of the queen of Sheba. She heard of the wisdom and of the wealth of Solomon. She came to visit him. In verse number 6, 1 Kings chapter 10, in verse number 6, we read, And she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. 
Howbeit I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. He said, Solomon, I heard all of it in my own land. I didn't believe it. It seemed too great to be true. But now that I'm here, now that I witness it for myself, it's even far beyond what I even imagined or what I heard. The half was not told me. But he says, or she says, of thy wisdom and prosperity. It exceedeth the fame which I heard. Uh, we read in verse number 14 of 1 Kings chapter 10 describing this prosperity of Solomon. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 600, three score, six talents of gold. You say, preacher, how much is that? I don't know, but it's a lot. I'll tell you that, more than you've got. Besides that, he had of the merchantmen and of the traffic of the spice merchants and of all the kings of Arabia and of the governors of the country. And King Solomon made 200 targets of beaten gold. 600 shekels of gold went to one target. And he made 300 shields of beaten gold. Three pounds of gold went to one shield. And the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. And we read on through this passage of scripture of the great wealth that God blessed King Solomon with. In verse number 27 of this chapter, And the king made silver to be in Jerusalem as stones, and cedars made he to be as sycamore trees that are in the vale for abundance. And so we read here of the great wealth of Solomon. Now that was the early part of his life. Those riches under God's control wisely used, greatly blessed of God. However, we read later that Solomon did not end well. Uh, he discovered in the end that riches could never replace God. He discovered in the end that riches could never bring peace with God. A later book that Solomon penned was that of Ecclesiastes. In fact, if you go forward past the, the book of Proverbs... And you can read of, of a couple of uh, passages describing uh, really the life of Solomon and this end. And what I discover is that most people uh, are not capable of using wealth. Uh, most people, wealth destroys them. Uh, that is why multitudes that have won lotteries or uh, various large sums of money have reported that that was the worst day of their life. Uh, many of our sports stars and Hollywood uh, musicians and on and on it goes have been ruined by wealth. Uh, we read here Ecclesiastes chapter number 1. as Solomon is describing his life and his discovery. In uh, chapter 1 verse number 2, uh, Solomon says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. In verse number 8, all things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. And what Solomon is basically saying is, is uh, no matter how much I have, it, it never satisfies. One of the wealthiest men in the world was asked the question, how much would it take to make you happy? And his answer was always one dollar more than I've got. In other words, there's nothing that I've discovered is going to make me happy. I always want more than what I have. And isn't that amazing? The more you have, the more you want. And uh, it's exactly what Solomon is describing. You go to, to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And verse number 4, Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse number 4, Solomon is describing, he said, I made me great works. 
I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. And I planted trees in them of all kind of fruits. I made me pools of water to water there with the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I get me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and all that sort so I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem also my wisdom remained with me and whatsoever mine eyes desired I kept not from them I withheld not my heart from any joy for my heart rejoiced in all my labor and this was my portion of all the labor then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on all the labor that I had labored to do and behold all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Here again, Solomon is describing this vanity of his possessions and all that uh, came because of those possessions. Verse number 18, he says, Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he have to rule over all my labor, wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise unto the sun. This also is vanity. And here Solomon is recognizing here at the end of his life, and all of the labor, all of the possessions that I have gained, and all of that I have accomplished in my life, I look back on it, and all is vanity. As yet, yet we come to the end of Ecclesiastes, and here's the conclusion that he, that he arrives at in verse number 1, Ecclesiastes 12. He says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. And then the end of the chapter, verse 13 of Ecclesiastes 12. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He said, in all my pursuit of wealth and all that I had, I came to this final conclusion. Here's what it all boils down to. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Now, here is Solomon, the wealthiest man in the world, He's made silver as stones in all of Jerusalem. Those that have come from the outside observing his wealth, seeing this man of great luxury, great wealth, this man that had whatever he wanted. Here Solomon said, I realized in the end all of it was vanity. Now this is the man that's going to teach us tonight concerning wealth. We're going to look at a biblical view of wealth. Let's go to the book of Proverbs once again, chapter 13. And we'll find set forth before us here by this man that has gained great wealth, this biblical view. Uh, number one, how we should view wealth. What should we look at concerning wealth? Proverbs 13, verse number 7. Here Solomon makes the statement, There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing, and there is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. Now, what we find as we read through the book of Proverbs, the riches have their limitations. In Proverbs 13, verse number 7, true wealth doesn't come from money or from possessions. He says there are those that have great wealth, yet they 
that have nothing, yet they have tremendous riches. And so riches have their limitations. And Solomon, as we read through the book of Ecclesiastes, discovered the vanity of his riches. Now you go back to Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 4. Proverbs 11 verse 4. He states, riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. And then we read in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 2, treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. It's very clear, money cannot deliver your soul. Money cannot buy you a home in heaven. There are multitudes that had great wealth but had not a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And It's very clear in this passage of Scripture that money cannot buy happiness tonight. Uh, money cannot make you truly joyful or happy. I've, I've heard the testimony of those that won great lotteries and they rejoiced when they won that lottery only to discover that that lottery, that millions, that mega millions did not produce in them the happiness that they thought that it would produce. That's the testimony of many. Uh, studies concerning the wealthy. I was reading a testimony. There were eight at one time of the wealthiest men in the world. Uh, seven of those eight men committed suicide. Uh, wealth did not produce for them happiness. Uh, money cannot last forever. You look in Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 3. He says, The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Jesus stated, Lay not for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. You'll find that money can never be counted upon permanently. Money can be stolen. Wealth can be taken. Money can be lost in a moment of time. Back in the stock market crash of the 1920s, it was stated that many went from having great wealth to a piece of paper that had no value whatsoever. They lost it all in just a moment of time. Wealth or substance is not of eternal value. It cannot last forever. And so the result is this. God warns us not to put our trust in riches because they can fade in a moment of time. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 4, he states, Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. In Proverbs 11, verse 28, He that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. It's very clear if our whole trust is in wealth or in riches or in our possessions, that wealth, those riches, those possessions can be taken in a moment of time. Now let's keep our place in Proverbs. I want you to go to the New Testament into the book of First Timothy chapter number 6. First Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul sets forth this principle. Our trust is not to be in our wealth. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 6, Paul says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. 
For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. I had the privilege of being present when my six children were born. And I never saw a single one of them bring a gold ring or a gold jewel into the world. They just didn't do it. Uh, they did not bring even a set of clothes to wear. I had to buy them their first diapers, okay? They, they didn't bring it with them. Uh, they brought nothing into this world. And the Bible teaches we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain that we're going to carry nothing out of this world. You've never seen uh, somebody taking out of the world great riches. Kind of like the guy that uh, when he died, he said, I want you to leave all of my uh, money in my casket with me and I'm going to take it with me when I go. And so his son went down to the bank and deposited all of his money and he wrote his dad a check and he put it in that casket and he said, Dad, you can have all that money. I'm leaving this check with you. And uh, then he went down and took advantage of the bank and uh, uh, used it all. You take nothing with you when you leave this world. That's what God is saying here. So God wants us to learn contentment. Isn't that a good position to learn? To be content with such thing if you have. Uh, Paul the Apostle stated in the book of Philippians, he said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. I've learned when God blesses me with much, I can be content with that. And I've learned when God blesses me with nothing, I can be content with that. I've learned not to gripe or murmur or complain with what God has given to me because God knows what I need when I need it. And he provides for that. That's what Paul is teaching in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now you notice as we read on in this passage of Scripture, verse number 8, he says, having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But then he gives us a strong warning, making our major focus the pursuit of riches. He says, having food and raiment, let us there we be content, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Notice this statement, for the love of money, and very important, the Bible does not say that money is the root of all evil, but it is the love of money that is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, he says, flee these things. I was reading the testimony of, of a, a woman that won a lottery. And after winning the lottery, she filed for divorce so that her husband would not be a part of that. And then her husband sued her, and this turned out to be a big lawsuit, a husband and a wife, all the love of money uh, that became the root of evil. There's a grandfather that won a large lottery, and this grandfather later wrote that that was the worst day of his life. Uh, that lottery he gave to his grandchildren. Grandchildren then used that money and abused that money. They didn't know how to use it. And uh, many of them addicted to drugs. So one of his grandchildren uh, took the new car that he bought for his grandson. And he wrecked that car, killed himself in that car wreck. And this grandfather said, that was the worst day of my life when I won this possession. The love of money becomes the root of all evil. It's become the source of conflict. Uh, we spoke this morning, uh, pride is the source of contention, but at the heart of that pride is this love for money. But God says, but thou, man of God, verse 11, he says these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, fight the good fight of faith. See, God tells us the pursuit of our life ought to be 
the Lord Jesus Christ. How should we view wealth? Well, the Bible teaches it's not to be our trust. It's not to be our pursuits. Our trust is to be in the Lord. Our pursuits is to be that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's go back to Proverbs 13. How should we gain wealth? Proverbs 13, verse number 11, tells us wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. What he's stating is there is a right way to gain wealth and there is a wrong way to gain wealth. And uh, this particular section of scripture, you have a negative and you have a positive. And we see here this negative, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. I I think very clearly we could say that crime is a wrong way to gain. Uh, Some have gained great wealth through crime. There's a young man that got saved. I knew this young man. Uh, He was dealing drugs before he got saved. After his salvation, he determined to do it properly. He found a job, and here was his statement to me. He said, I I could make a lot more money dealing drugs, but it wasn't right. There were consequences. Uh, Stilling might be profitable for a time, but in the end, it's not going to pay. Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 1 says a false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. And that simply is telling us that, uh, again, it's right in your business dealings to have a just weight, to have a just balance. Uh, If you sell 100 pounds of corn, my dad used to say, 100 pounds of corn in the sack and you be honest with what you give and this is what God is expressing and so crime is a wrong way to gain stealing might be profitable but God cannot honor that Uh, some have amassed wealth through sinful vices we spoke uh, in our uh, class uh, here today that uh, he that giveth liquor unto his neighbor and, and, and there are some that have gained great wealth through the sale of alcoholic beverages and I just believe that's not a, a profitable way that God is going to honor and God is not going to bless and uh, there's a, a lot of money today in the abortion clinics and uh, many have made great money out of that but God does not honor that which comes from a compromising viewpoint. Uh, some have pursued wealth through get-rich-quick get schemes. Uh, oh, I, I don't know how through the years, how many times people have tried to involve me in a, in a pyramid scheme. I've had people say, Pastor, if you get involved, uh, you can get everybody else in the church involved. And uh, the church can make great money and build a building out of it. And What I find is that usually those get-rich-quick schemes, the people at the bottom are handing up to the people at the top, and these at the bottom eventually lose out. Somebody's going to lose over a period of time, and so got to be careful. Some have pursued wealth or gambling. Uh, Casinos, lotteries, sports bets. Uh, I was reading statistics here. Uh, Amazed. Do you know in the United States of America, Americans are estimated to spend almost a half a trillion dollars in gambling? Sports betting, they're stating over $150 billion, most of that illegally invested in sports gambling. They state that gambling has today become the, the largest vice in America. Uh, again, I, I stated, and I've stated this before, uh, gambling, the casino, the lottery, simply for people who can't do math. Okay, you're going to lose down the line. 
young man, t- a college student, I think it was 23,000. First time, very first time to the casino, he won 23,000. Within several weeks, he had spent that and more. He was in deep debt and eventually took his own life within a year. Uh, you're going to lose down the line. Wealth gained by vanity, God describes, will be diminished. See, God cannot bless when we lie or cheat or steal. Uh, that's covetousness, and God cannot and will not bless covetousness. Now let's look back in Proverbs 13, verse number 11. There's the positive aspect. He says, wealth got my vanity shall be diminished, but here's this father teaching his son. He that gathereth by labor shall increase. See, the positive, it's, it's good to work. It's good to work. Work is not a dirty word. It's good. And a young man needs to learn to work. Uh, needs to learn to invest his life in work. Proverbs 10, verse 4. Proverbs 10, verse 4. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. In verse 5, he that gathereth in the summer is a wise son. Work. He that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. In Proverbs 10, verse 16, we read, The labor of the righteous tendeth to life, but the fruit of the wicked to sin. Proverbs 12, verse number 11. Proverbs 12, verse number 11. Uh, The word of God reads, He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread. That's work. He that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. In Proverbs 12, verse 24, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. You know the story of the tortoise and the hare. They were in a race. And the hare says, uh, this is no problem. This is a cinch. I can beat this old turtle any day. He moves so slow. And that hare took off, that rabbit took off, and he ran for a little while, and it was a hot day, and he decided to go to sleep under the tree. And here comes that old tortoise, just plucking along, just moving along. Here's the hare. He's asleep under the tree. He wakes up. He realizes the tortoise is down the road. He gets up. He takes off again, passes the, the, the tortoise, and then he starts talking, conversation, and gets carried away. And here comes that old tortoise just plucking along. And you know the story that the tortoise won the race. How many people like the hare? Boy, I'm going to get rich. I'm going to make it big. I'm going to hit it big at the lottery. I'm going to hit it big at the casino. I'm going to have this get-rich-quick scheme. I'm going to make all of this money. I'm going to gain all of this wealth. And here, like that, that rabbit, I'm running. But there's not diligent work. And there's not wisdom in spending and wisdom in investing and wisdom in using the money for the glory of God. And like that hare, uh, eventually wastes it all away and in the end there's nothing but here's that tortoise he just plods along and and that's what God is teaching this is what this father is saying son if you're going to make it you've got to just keep on diligent got to be a work invest your life you got to be wise in your investments wise with your funds not wasting it but constantly using it for the glory of God and in doing so Eventually, you gain the blessings of God in your life. 
So that's how we gain wealth. Now let's look at one last thought tonight. How we view wealth, to seek first the kingdom of God. How we gain wealth, we should do so with diligent effort. And how we should use wealth. Somebody stated that wealth is nothing more than a tool that when used properly can accomplish much for God. And God expresses in the word of God that we're stewards of that which he blesses us with. In reality, you and I own nothing tonight. Everything that we have is God's. Uh, your job is God's gift to you. Your home, your car, all of your possessions, they're the gift of God into your life. God has blessed you. You're a steward of what God has given to you. In Proverbs 13, verse number 7, here's the statement. There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. And there is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. Now here's the negative. There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. How do we do so? Through a covetousness, uh, an inordinate desire of possessions. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 12 of the rich man that built bigger and bigger barns. But Jesus said to that man, Thou fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. Here was a covetous man that built bigger and more and kind of hoarded it away. In the end, he had nothing. Uh, then we read in Luke chapter 16 of a rich man that lost his soul. He was lost without the Lord Jesus Christ. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And we read of Lazarus, this poor man that gained great riches through a relationship with Jesus Christ. What does a man profit if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? Now go back to Proverbs chapter 11. And, and we lose through covetousness, we lose through greed, through hoarding. In Proverbs 11 verse 24, he says, There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than its meat, but it tendeth to poverty. Now this, this doesn't make sense. He says, There is that scattereth and yet it increaseth, but there is that withholdeth and poverty uh, on a farm. You can take the seed in the barn, and if you sow that seed, that seed brings forth another crop. But you keep the seed in the barn, and it accomplishes nothing. And that's where many are, and in the end it tends towards poverty. He says in verse 25, The liberal soul shall be made fat, he that watereth shall be watered also himself. In Matthew chapter 25, I'd like you to turn there. Keep your place again in Proverbs, Matthew 25. Matthew chapter 25. Here the word of God explains to us our stewardship of that which God has blessed us. Matthew 25, verse number 14. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Now we know this is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who has ascended into heaven and he's delivered unto his servants, that you and I, his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one. God has not blessed us all with the same amounts or the same abilities. He said to every man, according to his several abilities, straightway he took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded the same, made them other five talents. He invested that which was given. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. He hoarded it. 
And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. There is an accounting someday. Do you realize someday you're going to give an account with that which God has blessed you? You give an account of your life. You give an account of your possessions. You give an account of all that God has made you steward over. You'll stand before God giving an account of that life. And so the Lord warns us through covetousness, through that of hoarding, through that of selfishness, we tend toward poverty. Now back in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 7, here's the positive aspect. He says, There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. Uh, what you do with what God gives shows what has your heart. You go back with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. You notice in verse number 9. He says, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. God says you honor him with what he has given unto you. God will increase. God will bless your life. The result will be great riches. Uh, Brother Wilkins tells the story in his discipleship book of how to have something in heaven when you get there. He tells the story of Howard Hughes. At one time, Howard Hughes, the wealthiest man in the world. You know the story of Howard Hughes. He died a miserable man. He was asked the question, when Howard Hughes died and went into eternity, how much did he take with him? And the answer was given, not one red cent. Uh, a wealthy oil man heard that testimony of Howard Hughes. And he said, I want to invest in eternity. What is it that lasts for eternity? He said, the souls of men, the work of God, that lasts for eternity. He began to invest his work and his wealth in the things of God and in the work of God. And in the end, God blessed his life. And uh, he stated at his deathbed that he had sown his seed for eternity. Uh, every one of us will give an account to God one day of our life. Honor God. Honor God with your tithe. Uh, pastor of a very poor country church was asked the question if he tithed, and this pastor said, no, I, I don't. He said, I can't afford to tithe. Now, that's a wrong philosophy. You can't afford not to tithe. Amen. And so a businessman said to him, well, God has promised that if you would put him first, he would take care of you. He said, don't you believe the Lord? He said, well, I've had a hard time. Don't make a lot. The people here can't afford to give me a lot. I've got a big family. I just can't afford to tithe. And this businessman said to this pastor, said, would you be willing to put me to the test. He said, would you be willing to start tithing? And he said, I am willing, if you will put me to the test, I am willing, all you've got to do is write to me and tell me at any point if you have a need. You tell me if you can't feed your family, I'll check, I'll take care of you, I'll minister to you. And so the pastor said, I could take you and I'll put you to the test. And he began to tithe. After a year, he realized, I trusted this businessman. My God has given me a great promise. And my God has said, prove me. Now herewith, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven. He said, I trusted the businessman. Why could I not trust God? He said, not one time in all this year did I have to write that businessman and ask anything from him. God took care of me. I had but to trust God. And so honor God with your tithe. Honor God with your offering. Uh, the Bible teaches, I, and, and growing up on a farm, I learned, I learned a principle. 
you can't reap what you don't sow. You want to reap a crop, you've got to sow a crop. I found you, you, you don't reap corn if you don't sow corn. And God said that we are to sow that which God has given unto us. Valley Bible Baptist, God has been good to us. He's been very good to us. You know, I believe one reason God has been so good to us is this church has given over and over and over and over to missionaries and to the gospel and to men of God around the world. I believe God honored the church and allowed us to build debt free. I believe that's because what you sow is what you're going to reap. And we reaped because of giving, because of sowing. And I you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. Uh, one of the greatest joys in my own Christian life, and, and I don't preach anything that I can't practice, and it's been a great joy to be involved in Faith Promise Missions. It's been a great joy to be involved in giving and tithing and uh, being involved in the work of God. And I've had no greater joy in my Christian life than to see God over and over and over minister to me, just simply taking Him at His word. Uh, you sow, you reap. You don't sow, you don't reap. It's a principle. How do you use that which God blesses you with? There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. So here, how do we view wealth? We're not to put wealth on a pedestal. We're not to trust in our wealth. Our wealth or our trust is to be in God. God is the one that cares for us. Uh, wealth can take wings and fly away in a moment of time. Thieves can break through and still, and uh, moth can rust it and corrupt it. Our trust is to be in God. How do you gain wealth? You do so through diligent labor and work and wisdom of spending and wisdom of investing. And then how do you use wealth? You use that which God has blessed you for his work and for his kingdom and you honor him with what he gives to you and you honor the Lord you put first God seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness all these things shall be added unto you I want to close with one passage Philippians chapter 4 Philippians chapter 4 here Paul is thanking the church at Philippi for their investment in his life Paul states, I mentioned this, he said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He said, I've learned when God blesses me, I'm content with that. He said, I've learned when I suffer want, I'm still content. It's God that takes care of me. And he says to this church who has given to his needs over and over, you did well in giving unto me. He said, God's going to bless you for it. And look in verse number 19, Philippians 4. Paul says to this church, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's where our trust is to be. That's where our hope is to be. It is God that supplies our need. It's God that blesses you with health to work. It's God that gives you your home and car and your job. It's God that gives you your family. It's God that gives the life and the air that you breathe and water you drink. And God simply made you a steward of everything. In reality, you and I tonight, we own nothing. We own nothing. God owns it all. And it is God that we serve. And this is the principle that Solomon sets forth in his word. 
as far as wealth. Let's bow our heads tonight. Every head bowed, we could gain the world and lose our soul. The most important possession you have tonight is your soul. Your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the most important possession. Do you know tonight if you died you're going to heaven? 